last you'll, turn, I guess. You'll check while we go. Yeah. How's everybody? You guys feeling okay? Everybody's here. You got here, so you're breathing. That's good. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, Sonia's in uh, Canada. Um, she had, uh, she works with um, Parish Collective, as you guys know. And so uh, she's been doing their, this is kind of their conference season. Mm. So uh, she was in Cincinnati a few weeks ago. Um, and then for the kind of, I guess that's the East, Midwest, East. I don't C know. Cincinnati? Cincinnati? You call that Midwest? Call, I call it Cincinnati. What do you Westerners out here call it? Are you PNWs? I don't know. <laughs> How do you guys identify? Do you guys identify as Westerners? Yeah, the Buckeye region. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway, she was there. Now she she's in uh, Toronto um, this this week doing uh, the the Canadian um, conference, and so she'll be back with us uh, next week. But I did have an announcement. I believe Abby wanted me, and I told her to remind me, and I don't even see her. But I remembered. Oh, okay. You're lurking. <laughs> um, November 3rd, yes? November 3rd uh, is when we're going to officially celebrate our 10-year anniversary as a community. And um, there will be, in celebration, a chili cook-off that's going to happen downstairs, yes? After service. After service. Yeah. So what do they need to do to um, sign up? <laughs> Bring so, chili. So there's chili to eat. Yeah. Um, and then we need sides and toppings and various ideas on what you can bring back there so you can sign up, what you would love to bring. Does canned chili count? If you want to enter it. You want to compete with, if that wins, that will be surprising. Yeah. Can anybody take down the reigning <laughs> champ? I mean, who's that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you still should make chili, though. Even if you don't enter it, don't you think that's fair? It'll be like the like you know what dessert chili. Like Eric Clapton got declared like he had won guitarist of the year enough for Guitar World magazine, and but he still kept playing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He kept doing concerts. Yeah. That, oh, at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I see what you're doing. You're wanting to retire your number. And he's undefeated. We'll, we'll hang it from the rafters. <laughs> there, there must be a gene in the Varus bloodline that does something for chili, because both Kathy and Alex Chili are amazing. So, um, you know, throw your hat in the ring. Oh, that's fair. That's very gracious of you. That's yes. fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, if you haven't noticed, you, you probably haven't because you just walked like in this way. But um, if you want, um, you can pop down the stairs over here or over here and take a look at the, the basement if you're interested at all. Um, Jamie had the, uh, the floors, these, these tiles in different parts of the floor were uh, pretty beat up and filthy and... <laughs> and um, made of asbestos, and so <laughs> we had them uh, cleaned and, and sealed, and so the floors downstairs uh, look shockingly good. Wow. I, so if you haven't gone downstairs to see that space, um, and some of the reason I want you guys to do that is because um, we need to grow into this space, right, as, yep. a, as a community, and um, I notice still we, we kind of have a feel, and some of it's because we haven't really claimed the space for Sunday mornings where, you know, we're set up all the time. 
So it does feel very much like we're still that mobile church that's always setting up and tearing down. And um, we're going to figure that out eventually here. But, you know, poke around or if you want a little tour to see things, because sometimes space inspires people to, uh, you know, think about an event or something that you'd like to lead or, or um, you know, somewhere you'd like to be. Like so, a chili cook-off? Yeah, I mean, that's what happened. Like, I think we were downstairs and, and that kind of sparked the conversation because there's Ooh. a commercial kitchen downstairs, you know. So um, um, lots of space to cook and, and do that sort of thing. And yes. So... Um, yeah, poke around, or if you want like an actual little tour, somebody to walk you around, just grab me or Jamie or um, anybody who's been around here. Josh is around here somewhere. There he is. Um, any of us can kind of walk you around, show you the different places in the building, and and um, just. <laughs> yeah, we do have to pay Josh by the hour to do that. Don't so. ask Josh. <laughs> but we won't charge you. Yeah. No. But. No. I think that's it for announcements. Uh, unless anybody has anything else they want to share with the group. No? Not yet. I mean, you can always use help with uh, kids and teens. If anybody has a heart and a passion, or doesn't, but just... Tolerance. What, if you can tolerate a teenager <laughs> for... Tolerance. Yeah, if you can tolerate a teenager for like hour, hour 15, yeah. talk to me. Uh, if you can tolerate children for about as long, if not a little bit longer, talk to somebody else. Um, Somebody Jamie, else. maybe. <laughs> Volunteering Jamie now for that. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate you stepping up. Yeah. It's called the, that's called the test. Yes. So if you, if you haven't met Trevor, this is Trevor. Hi, I'm Trevor. Um, he's going to be preaching today, and I'm just like overseeing. And <laughs> if there's anything a problem, you know, I'll just be like... <laughs> Yeah. You know, we'll just make corrections real time. You know when you're working and your boss comes in to look yeah. over your shoulder yeah. and that is when everything breaks and you forgot how to do <laughs> very basic functions? Yeah. Welcome to the church this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To prep for that, I actually had way too much coffee this morning. I don't, uh, I don't know if I agree that that is like that premise is well, even true. Well, no, no, no. It is true is for me. My, my, my biology has no idea what to do with caffeine anymore because mm -hmm. having worked in coffee for like 10 plus years, I would just imbibe so much, just espresso. And I, I worked um, at one place where it was just free. No one checked it. And I'm like 20 years old working in a coffee stand. It's late at night. I'm like, yeah, I gotta just keep going. <laughs> Have some espresso, have some espresso, eat a muffin, I'm good. And then I just start just shaking. Like, what's going on? And then I start counting. Oh no, I've had too much. And the only thing to eat here is a muffin. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really good. And so as the years have gone on, uh, my caffeine intake has ebbed and flowed. And now I'm in a spot in my life where I don't need a full Stanley thermos of coffee to get through the day. It's just one mug. It's really nice, one mug. Well, this that's a decent-sized Stanley. Yeah, but I'm thinking of, like, the... The no. camping one. The one, the one when you think of a construction worker. Stanley's. It, I'm, I'm, my friend Jason, right over here. Hi, I, Jason. He, he, was, he was bragging. He's totally right. He was bragging about how these Stanley mugs were the, the ones that seal the best out of oh. any he had ever tried. And really? he's right. You can throw these in your bag with whatever you want, mm. and they stay sealed. Unless, when you're putting them back together the parts don't get quite lined up, then they don't seal. And ah, that's a problem. Know, I don't yes. know if I stung you. I stung somebody one Sunday morning trying to illustrate how much I trusted this. 
Yep. Is it I, you? I was yeah. you? And I yeah. held it over my head uh-huh. and tipped it, and, and it just started pouring. Pouring, yes, yeah. yes. So, Manna rained from heaven that day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's funny, is every Sunday, though, I, I get that church coffee feeling. So I wake up, I'm at home, and I have some granola, and I have some coffee habits. And then I come to church, and I want more coffee, because that's what you do when you're at church, is drink more coffee. And it's every Sunday now. But every Sunday, I have an extra cup. And every Sunday, I get sweaty, shaky, jittery. And I'm like, okay, Trevor, you've had too much coffee. Don't do that. It burns calories. But then the next week, I come here, and I do it again. Shaky, jittery, count the cups. Okay, don't do that again. (laughs) And then this morning, I make some coffee. I drink it on the way here. I get here. I fill up my mug. Oh, man, I'm really feeling jittery. I'm going to go run up to Stump Town and get a sandwich. And I've yet to learn my lesson. And even now, (laughs) expressing this, I know next week I will get more coffee. We're going to have a great cloud watching you. Yes. The hosts and the elders will surround me. Just judge. If I can feel everyone's eyes on me, I will feel bad as I come back to that. Metal yeah. cylinder, just give me some more. Um, well, shame and guilt has been a, a handy tool that the oh, church yes. at large has used. I bank on that. To yes. quite a degree of effectiveness over the years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. Right. It just totally backfires. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just supports me and gives me food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't help either. But I will never learn this lesson. And I accept that. Hmm. I so it sounds like, you're, uh, sounds like you're saying that you continue to struggle with kind of the same problems throughout your life. Oh, yes, yes. As DC Talk once said, some people got to learn the hard way. <laughs> it was. You're, well, yes. you're a professional speaker-talker person, so you identified that, you know. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, that's kind of the idea that we were wrestling with here is these, these issues that we, um, they just keep coming up again and again. The insecurities, the anxieties that we kind of carry with us, you know, um, it's, it's pretty rare that somebody can just identify an issue Something that's going on with you, and then be like, "Okay, I, I, I know I drink too much coffee, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna fix it, right? right? You even you can acknowledge it, but doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be able to cure it either. Yeah, because sometimes awareness isn't enough. Yeah, well, it's just a starting point. Yeah, right. Yeah, you need tools. Yeah, I find I have to um, kind of tread over that same ground over and over again oh, before yeah. I have a breakthrough. So oh, I was yeah. thinking of examples of these things, right? And I was thinking about how. Um, years and years ago, ended up in this conflict with a, a really good guy. He's a good, he's another pastor. He just kind of had, uh, he was in a more powerful position than I was. And um, we ended up having this conflict where I felt really kind of deeply um, disrespected. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 it offended me, it hurt me, it made me um, upset at him. And I knew that wasn't right to hold that, you know, I didn't want to hold on to that kind of offense and, and carry that around with me. Um, but I, I noticed that every once in a while, especially if there was something related and I ended up talking about that incident, um, you know, I would notice that, that, I don't know, it's like poison, kind yeah. of, you know, oh, yeah. something that just kind of sticks with you and it was just with me um, all the time. And, and it would kind of go away and I would um, I'd do meditative practices, prayer practices where I'm, I'm practicing letting go of this stuff and saying, yes. okay, Lord, I, you yes. know, I'll let go of this 
this offense that I am holding against this person. And, and, um, and it was kind of like every time I'd see him, it'd be a little less. And that's why I think of it as like a, like a poison or something that gets in your system. Um, because it, I wasn't able to just get rid of it all at once. I had to kind of keep just kind of a little bit at a time, keep working on it, keep engaging with it. And so awareness was like, like that's, you had to start there. Right. right. I had to start with the you know idea that like, oh, man, this thing that I'm holding on to, this is, you know, it's wrong for me to hold on to it. Or or, you know, maybe even uh, a more profound thought is that it's damaging to me to hold on to that. Oh, most to definitely. hold on to that yeah. sense of anger, or that sense of hurt that I'm holding against somebody is actually kind of, you know, tearing me down. And, and the more that I um, have worked on that, the more I've seen it kind of go away and that it like the severity died. of lessons every time yeah, yeah yeah you know and so um you know but now i don't know how i'd react if i was just i don't know if i'd learned the lesson right because right. i mean i don't know if it's a lesson right the lesson is is becoming a person that learns to forgive to let go um it's not somebody that that pretends you're not offended or pretends you're not hurt right you can't just put a mask on it <laughs> yeah well you can um i don't find that very effective ah <laughs> But the other thing I was thinking about, I, I shared about this a little bit um, uh, a few months ago because I've been trying to be uh, real open about like the kind of emotional state that I've been in um, that I think is related to just middle of life stuff and um, the way that that has been affecting me, the way it's been affecting Sonia and I's uh, relationship um, and, and the way that uh, opportunity coming for her in this season of time um, has affected me. Right? Mm -hmm. And having to yep. face that, having to, because that's some ugly stuff, right? You, if you have to do that and you realize that there's a certain amount of either uh, jealousy or um, feeling like you're, like my feelings were like, oh, I'm being left out, right? Because there's yeah. these opportunities for her and we've always worked as a musical team together, as a ministry team together. And then things are just opening up for her with all these cool little events and stuff that she's doing. And, and so I was you know, I was struggling with that. And every time she'd be gone, um, you know, it, it would create conflict when she'd come home and we'd have to work through that. And, um, and, and so I've, but I've been working on that, right? Because it's the kind of thing that you're like, why do I keep, why do I keep behaving this way? It's that, that struggle that, that is just there. It's right? like a it's, gut reaction. Yeah. yeah. And, but as I keep being honest with myself and honest with her about it. And we keep uh, walking over, treading that same ground, oh, yeah. which is tiresome, right? I mean, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. If you're doing that with somebody, you've got to be forgiving of one another and, and let that stuff go. But, um, you know, you, you can make progress. And that's what I've experienced is that, you know, we're making that progress. And, you know, if I do things like announce to a group of the best friends in my life that like, I'm struggling with this, you know, then I'll, I kind of have like, forced accountability like <laughs> hey were you a jerk when Sonny got home on Thursday yes yes I was yeah. um, but less so this time <laughs> everyone set your alarms right now so yes yeah, yeah. Automated accountability therapy. is an occupational hazard <laughs> yeah this next Thursday yes yeah, when she gets home yeah thank you thank you for marking that <laughs> you know what's funny is there <laughs> That reminds me of like the gut reactions I've been dealing with with my wife. We've been married not even a year yet. And we've been really working hard to discuss our insecurities because they, we, they've invoked some weird gut reactions out mm -hmm. of us. Uh, my wife and I were talking 
yesterday. And we're like trying to say, okay, how can we help each other this next week? And just doing a check-in. And I just said something really weird of like, I need you to know that when you call me and tell me you're on your way home, I work from home, by the way, and so she's already jealous that I don't have to commute and I'm in my PJs, uh, <laughs> which is fair. Uh, and you call me and you might say, hey, can you do X? I need to be comfortable saying no. I, I need to be comfortable saying, mm, I'm gonna work out or I'm going to do this project I wanna do. And that was very off-putting and we dug deep into it and then I discovered something. I discovered that I had developed a habit back when I was a child that I had never addressed and kept kind of just falling back to this default setting of, oh, by the way, I was homeschooled, so this will give you some insight. And Isn't that funny? Every time you mention the word homeschool, you're going to get at least one chuckle. Oh, yeah, I know. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so when I was homeschooled and just by myself with my siblings, yeah, see, there you go. There was the impending doom of mom coming home. There was the impending doom of, did I pull the chicken out of the freezer? Or did I clean something? Did I even do my schoolwork? Or did I spend it playing video games? But since I did not like that feeling of the impending doom, I chose to check out and play video games. Worked really well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, reflecting with my wife yesterday about how I feel when I feel like she's on her way home, I had that like movie flashback where I had the images of sitting in my living room as a kid, stressing about my mom coming home and wanting to play video games instead to escape from the feelings. Oh crap, I'm doing that again. That's some pretty good self-awareness. Yeah, you? it's, it's a progress. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a work. But I had to tell her like, okay, I'm sorry. This is coming from an unhealthy space. I'm gonna work on that and realize that it's not an impending doom. It is a partnership and we're doing this all together. And it's not just about Trevor being a little kid playing video games to escape any hard feelings. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were thinking about this stuff, kind of texting back and forth or yeah. using our, our OneNote document to kind of talk about this stuff and go back and forth because we were looking at this week's text from Exodus and um, it's it's repetitious right I mean we start we see the same stuff that that Moses is is struggling with and that, that got us to thinking about this this idea that and, and I love that when I see uh, as a person who you know tries to be a student of, of scripture um, I see such humanity and, and such parallels in the text, and this is such an example because um, it's not idealistic, and, and so the um, problems just keep getting stated over and over again, right? Mo Moses has this insecurity about his ability to communicate, maybe even his physical ability to talk. Yeah. Um, he, he might have a stutter, or, you know, there's something, he's, but he's got this deep insecurity. I think he's probably afraid. You know, he's... Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, he's I mean, it's confronting... Not a small, it's not a small ask he's being given. Yeah, right? And, and then I started wrestling with, is there a lack of trust um, in the message? Or is there a lack of trust from, on his part um, in God? Right? He's, yeah. he's looking at God and, 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 you know, he's having these experiences, these supernatural experiences, these things to validate that this is legitimately oh, yeah. a supernatural power in, in count, that he's encountering. And, and so I'm wondering, you know, does he doubt that God is actually going to do what God says? Is, you know, is God's word good? Right. And it's, in, it's really funny, not funny, haha, but funny, interesting how Moses feels the need to remind God of his inability. Mm. And it, I, I was just thinking about how 
whatever his difficulty was in speaking, wasn't so ingrained into his personal identity that there was absolutely no way in any version of that future that he could speak to Pharaoh, God's word with God's backing in it, still going well. Yeah. I mean, that was, he, he had just accepted that and embedded it. And I don't know if maybe, if it was something physical, like a stutter, you know, I mean, I would assume even back in those days, mean kids were mean kids. Yeah. Um, and if that just becomes, no, you, that's who you are. You're Moses, you stutter, you can't talk. Let's not give you any, any position in which you have to speak yeah. publicly. Yeah, that's a really good thought because I, I've met, well, and I'll just speak personally. I, I feel like my trust and my faith in God has always been pretty sound. But what I've doubted is my ability to execute what God's asked me to do or, yeah. or something as simple as like, am I, am I hearing God on this? Is this, is this right? Right. I mean, how many times have I doubted that in this journey of, of uh, planting and then leading you know, this faith community? Um, that, that has been a constant kind of thing in my head. And, and uh, in some ways, it's, it's, well, it, it is a certain amount of uh, just being so focused on yourself because of your right. insecurities. You're just drawn back to this place of like, you know, if it's not going well, if there's not enough people here, if it's not this, you know, oh, that's got to be because of a shortcoming that I have, yep. you know, and, and um, I think a lot of us struggle with that just in life, like, oh, you know, work's not going well or school or, or family life or relationships, you know, what, you know what's wrong with me and, and always constantly coming back to that, that, that uh, negative self-talk, right? Mm, yeah, just go internal because that's one thing I control is myself, so it must have been me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, let's, let's read this passage, and, um, and we'll move on from there. So we're looking at Exodus 6, uh, 28 through uh, chapter 7, verse 7. Nice. And um, we're re reading from the message today. And it says this. And that's how things stood when God next spoke to Moses in Egypt. God addressed Moses, saying, I am God. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I say to you. And Moses answered, look at me, I stutter. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And God told Moses, look at me. I'll make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to speak everything I command you, and your brother Aaron uh, will tell it to Pharaoh. And then he will release the Israelites from his land. At the same time, I'm going to put Pharaoh's, uh, back, uh, put Pharaoh's back up and follow it up uh, by f uh, filling Egypt with signs and wonders. Um, Pharaoh is not going to listen to you, but I will have my way against Egypt and bring out my soldiers, my people, the Israelites, from Egypt by mighty acts of judgment. The Egyptians will realize that I am God when I step in and take the Israelites out of their country. Moses and Aaron did exactly what God commanded. Moses was 80 and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. You know, I just realized, too, God gives, tells them how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. I, I, for some reason, when I first read that, that didn't occur to me. But if all the anxiety, I mean, anxiety is always about the unknown of the future. If yeah. I get up to speak or if I go to do this thing that scares me, it's because I no guarantees on how it will end. Yeah. And we don't really have the, the ethereal idea of God will be there at the end. He gives you the roadmap. Right, right. Here's how it's going to end. 
Yep. We got to trust go. that source. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing. Do you, True. how much do we trust that? I mean, the, the whole storyline of, uh, you know, the scriptural storyline, the biblical storyline is this story that all of history is leading to redemption yeah. and to salvation. But when we stand kind of in the middle of the muck and the mire and the, the yuck of this life, it's, it's hard to trust that. Right. Oh and, yeah. I mean, but that is what hope is. Hope is that holding on to something when you're like, I don't see the way forward. Right. It's like we're looking at it all through these damaged lenses of how we see the world. Yeah. And we kind of have to squint sometimes. Right. <laughs> so just like yeah. really lean into it and lean into those words of God to even parse out what, what's going on. Yeah. So I think we're pretty familiar with these ideas, right? the fear, the doubt, the insecurities um, that Moses or we experience, right? This, this is a, a human thing. It seems to cross, right? It crosses cultures, oh, yeah. crosses time. And so I wanted to just move into a time considering the things that God says to Moses in this passage, right? There, so I just was like, what are these like direct statements right. in that passage yeah. that God was like saying to him that were encouragements or that could be uh, just statements of truth that would be powerful uh, to him and then uh, and then consider what they might say to us yeah you know so he starts with this this just declaration I am God he says look at me I'll make you a God right yeah you like that one I do like that one <laughs> um, I need it's a that. little g I need more know? of that in my life right right um, um, I thought that needed a little explanation so the word Elohim which is the the Hebrew word there um, this is from the net notes it says the word Elohim is used a few times in the Bible for humans, um, but always clearly in the sense of a subordinate to God. So they were representatives of God on earth. That's the way the writer is using that term is uh, almost as if God is using a metaphor of sure. saying, I, I made you the one with the message. Yeah. And and Aaron, your brother Aaron's going to be your prophet. He's going to be your messenger. Right? right. It's a way of saying that Moses represents God's authority uh, in this situation on earth. He's right? the physical stand-in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, his brother Aaron, uh, that's the next statement. Your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Yeah. You are to speak everything I command you, and I will have my way against Egypt and bring out my soldiers, my people, and the Israelites from Egypt uh, by mighty acts of judgment. Mm. So I thought, let's consider these statements um, yeah. and what they might say to us. This idea of uh, the declaration, I am God. You know, I think that, I know that's an awesome reminder for me, right? There's so many times we do forget. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've heard this said in sermons and yeah. stuff, this idea that like, um, you know, he's God and I'm not. Right. Right, just that simple, yeah. like, um, just an uh, understanding, right? Um, and it's a freeing truth. Yes. Right? Because the responsibility of who the creator is, is on the creator. The responsibility right. ultimately for what's going on in our lives uh, lies with him. Oh yeah, and there's actually a great example I have of when that finally like punctured through my heart, which was growing up, um, growing up in youth groups and stuff, there was always this pressure to be a witness, mm -hmm. whatever that meant. And I felt a lot of pressure to figure out what that meant, because I never felt like it was communicated well. But then also there was a lot of pressure to go save people, whatever that meant. And what, what finally broke through to me was the fact that I am not going to change a single person's heart. Yeah. It is God who will do it. I just need to be present. Yeah. I just need to be willing to 
have a conversation or just be honest about what I believe. And removing the pressure that I better say the right thing or people are going to hell, oh man, I feel so much better just releasing that burden. Right, yeah, it's freeing to go, this is, this is your area, God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll do what you've asked me to do. Yep. And, and I trust that you're gonna do what that you're gonna do. Mm -hmm. So when I was writing about this, I, I, I thought of the serenity prayer. Right, the um, one it's a it's attributed to uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, who's a um, boy. This has not been set up. Okay, sorry. That was me. Um, <laughs> uh, theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century theologian, and um, so you might have heard the Serenity Prayer before, but just listen to the 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 way that this it's like the reverse, saying you are God mm -hmm. and I am not. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Mm -hmm. and, so I, and when I've looked at that, you know, he's a, he's a reformed theologian. And if you don't know what that means, well, the one thing I want to uh, kind of narrow in on is reformed theology uh, has a, um, a philosophy of uh, a, a very high view of the sovereignty of God, of God's in control of everything. Mm. And to use a philosophical term, they're determinists, right. right? They believe that God has determined every little event that's going to happen uh, in, in the world. And um, to many people, that is very comforting. Matter of fact, sure. one of my uh, wonderful theology professors in seminary, his wife, um, she, she was struggling with cancer for years, and she actually died while I was in seminary, and he was the professor there. And, um, and to watch him walk through that, and he and his wife had slightly different theologies around this stuff. And he would talk openly about how she was so comforted, because she was uh, fully a determinist in her thought. She was like, God, this is, this is part of God's plan. I'm going through this. And she's, so since she was able to see every possible moment of light hmm. in this dark thing because she trusted that God was taking her through it. Now, I'm not a determinist. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that, um, that there is an element of free will in our lives and we're able to make some decisions and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I can appreciate the beauty in this high view of the sovereignty of God and the level of trust that that builds in, in certain people. I mean, I mean, you can even, not being a determinist, but still having the faith to know that no matter what this depth of darkness you're in, yeah. God still has the ability because he is God yeah, yeah. To, to turn it right. and to bring it back up into the light. And that's where you see we're not that different in, right. in our yeah. theologies, right? Those who are, uh, you know, this is the old, if you're not familiar with the terms, it's the old Calvinist uh, versus Arminian uh, fight. And, um, and it, it, it's, you know, for centuries people have argued about this, but I don't. I don't think we're really that different. We we believe God is God, yeah, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And and that if we can find places of trust in that, we can go through these horrendous and and, and difficult things and find those moments of God um, revealing Himself in right. those things. Yeah, yeah. The next statement was, "Look at me," um, which, if you'll remember, God states this to Moses. Um, after Moses says to God, look at me, I stutter. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And so it's, 
you know, God's reply is, hey, look at me. Right. Right? Like, he's like, look at me. I'm a mess. Look at all this stuff that's bad in my life. And God's like, hey, look at me. And so I thought, is it possible that when we say, like, to ourselves or to God, look at me, I'm broken in this way. Oh, yeah. That God still replies with, you know, look at me. Yeah, it's that reminder, he is there. Yeah. And we're trying to, if we're trying to execute his will, look to him, because he's probably going to be the one to help shore up those weaknesses we have. Right. Yeah, I wonder if it's almost like an antidote to our, uh, our insecurities and anxieties where we're uh, kind of focused on ourselves and the stuff that's not good enough or that's not right. Yeah. Um, and we can get, that loop uh, can get broken. We can get broken out of that loop if we take a moment and pause and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on God instead of on myself. Uh, for a while. Yeah. And, and what's the last thing I know that God asked me to do that I'm, I'm confident of? I'm confident the last thing. Like, think about that when you're having those moments of spiraling. You have, you have things in your life that you're like, I'm pretty sure, you know, I had an encounter with God or, or a moment or a scripture or something. Go back to that thing and let that break the loop. Have a moment of looking, uh, looking at God instead of um, looking at yourself. Yeah. His next statement was, I'll make you as a God. So maybe God will make you God. Maybe the demigod? Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> no, I've already explained this language. Yeah, Come on, Trevor. A boy can fantasize. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I still see um, this as like God giving us purpose or direction. Yeah. Right? When I was, was thinking about this, I was thinking about the moments when... Um, because in, in that saying, he's, he's using that, like you said, as a metaphor. Right. So he, it's, he's talking about, this is the mission that I've given you. This is, what, th- this is who you are, and this is how it's going to go down. And, and yeah. it made me think of, um, it's a, I mean, honestly, a great uh, kind of push that a youth pastor kind of gave me when I was a kid uh, was like, hey, don't, you know, because we were, there were some of us that felt like, I think I'm going to spend my life you know, serving God, serving the church. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that going to look like? I don't know. And, you know, so then the challenge was, well, don't wait till, you know, you, you have a job at a church or something like, yeah. what, what's God want to do with you now? And so I just took it very literally. I just mm-hmm. went in the sanctuary at the church and, and just was praying and, and, and asking God to kind of bring something to mind. And long story short, I, I, a couple of guys came to mind that were younger um, in, in our youth group. They were like junior hires and I was in high school and, and, um, and I knew that they had kind of hard home lives and uh, disconnected dads and, and not that I was like a father figure, but I knew they needed like connection, you know, yeah. and, and they were both skaters and I was a skater. So I was like, all right, well, this is a no brainer. And so I started this like get together, this skate club. And I know I've mentioned this before because it was an impactful part in my life. But the long and short of it, that that little family grew to be like 35, 40 skaters that would get together two, three times a week. And, um, and it, it has had a, a long term impact on how I think about church. Like to me, that's church, that yeah. that sense of family and connection and struggle, honesty, uh, bring your kind of gritty self to the table. You know, I, I love that. And, that and, and so that's what I think about like that, that like um, this is what I've given you. This is who I'm making you right. into. Now go out and walk in that purpose. You know, you know what's funny is uh, I remember a few years back when I was really committing myself to reconnect with God in a serious way. 
And I started having those questions of, what is my, what, okay, God, what, what are you calling me to do? Yeah. And what I ended up doing was sitting down with uh, three different pastors I knew and to ask that question of, I don't know, but maybe here's the experiences I'm having, here's the thoughts I'm having. Do I need to go quit my job and go join a seminary? You know, that, not that, well, okay, that thought was up there. And every pastor I spoke to, Paul was one of them, said the exact same thing, which was, you don't need to wait to, to minister, to, to, to act on whatever the call is on your heart to serve people. And that just, talking about freedom, that freed me from the pressure of, do I need to make some drastic life change right now to, to signify that I'm going to be on this path? Or is it something that I just make myself open to the opening doors that God will have. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> That's why we want to explore the basement, not the, up there. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, the children get in the ductwork and then they. <laughs> yeah. No, the, yeah, those are radiators, so you can see the the water is Looks filling like jet engines. Filling those. <laughs> so. Yes. Anyway. Oh, Sorry for the distraction. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, the next statement, um, your brother Aaron will be your prophet. So God sends us in teams. That's what I have seen and noticed throughout so many of the stories in Scripture and in life. And, and I think that's a good antidote. I point this out often because I, I do think that the uh, kind of fierce American individualism uh, makes oh, yeah. us less effective and makes us less happy, makes Absolutely. us less full of joy because we end up trying to do everything on our own. And, um, you know, so this was another reminder to me that we need each other's uh, support, skills, strengths, right? He, there's an insecurity about something for Moses. He's like, I can't do this. And, and, and God doesn't just go like, hey, get over it, <laughs> right? He's like, here's yeah. somebody who can do the thing that you can't do. Right? And that's, um, we're always trying to talk about that around here, that, that oh, yeah. you know, in order for us to be a, a whole and healthy community of people, um, we all kind of have to bring who we are to the table. Um, right. Because, like, the, the folks who've been called into leadership, they don't have everything that we all need. Right? We all meet each other's needs. There's shortcomings that each of us have that others uh, fulfill. Yeah, I mean, we, we're all these, you know, people with our unique ways to address our, our gut reactions, right? Yeah. So our, our gut reactions are all different. And it's those things that bring all of our gut reactions together will do something wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Put that on a poster. <laughs> Got a couple more, we're gonna just wrap this up. Um, so you, you are to speak everything I command you. The message that um, we walk into the world with is not our own. That's what that said to me. Yeah. You know, is that I've given you this message. This isn't just something that's, that's in your mind. And so I think that's the same for us. We walk into this world with something that God has given us. Um, Jesus even told his disciples that the Spirit of God would inspire them in the most difficult of moments. This is the verse that came to mind as I was thinking about this idea. Mark 13, 9, he's kind of talking about uh, when he's sending out these, these uh, disciples. And he says, uh, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. 
Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And just this idea that even the most adverse, most like um, uh, moments of persecution even, that the, it's the Spirit of God that brings that message into that place. And even in, in this scenario, an example of like um, the Spirit of God empowering yeah. you to have that, that moment of witness. And I don't think it's going too far to consider that if we're open to that, that's how we can walk through this life. We can have that, that awareness, that idea, um, other places than actually getting arrested and persecuted, but just in, in life and, and have a moment where the Spirit of God um, has something to say through us. Oh, yeah. And, th and this is the final statement. I'll have my way against Egypt and bring out my soldiers, my people, the Israelites, from Egypt by mighty acts of judgment. And that just reminded me that all of these stories... Um, not just these here in Exodus, but the stories of Scripture um, and ultimately all of human history, you know, we believe is leading to the redemption of all things. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, I think, one of the Scriptures that like, best represents that is in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, I'm jumping in, verse 18 says this. That's why I don't think there's uh, any comparison between the present hard times in the coming good times, the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and, and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation, the difficult times of pain, throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pains. Uh, these sterile and bar uh, barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. I thought that was a great a expression. Beautiful, beautiful uh, reassurance. Yeah, at, at the end, because that's, I mean, that is, this is where we live, right? This yeah. is the already but not yet. Yeah. The promise has already been given to us of what God plans to do, but we're not yet seeing it in its, in its fulfillment. And, um, and so that's where we sit. That's where we hope, um, whether it is in the big kind of giant issues that we see uh, on a global scale or on a national scale or with our own personal struggles that we deal with that we have to keep treading that same ground over and over again. And so... Um, our, our encouragement to you is that you move forward. Yeah. Keep going forward. Take some time and, and listen to the things that God, you, like you, something you know that he has said to you. If you're finding yourself in that loop, you know, look at him and let him break you out of that, that moment of uh, just kind of sitting in your own brokenness um, and know you're not alone and know you have purpose and that um, he's, he's, he's doing something with each and every one of us and doing something with us collectively. Yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing knowing that God has set things in motion that can't be undone. Yeah. And they're continuing yeah. to roll forward to eternity and to glory with mm -hmm. him. And we don't need to worry about that now. Yeah. Yeah. He's taking care of it. And so we're freed from that, especially with the stressor of everything going on in this world right now, yeah. knowing that these are part of the birthing pains. These are part of what, what we have to go through yeah. to get to the end and as much as they're terrible to see and it doesn't make us sterile and distant from them to not interact and care for but knowing that God is with it 
with us through it as we see people who need us, yeah. who need people to reach out and love. Alrighty. Well, you guys know the routine. We're going to take a moment and um, going to have a song's worth of time to pray. And uh, if you want, I believe communion set up in the back. Yeah. And um, you can otherwise respond in whatever way uh, works best for you. Um, but take a moment and um, do that. Let's pray together as a community for you know the continuing tensions in our uh, country, but also uh, you know to remember our country is um, responsible for a lot of suffering right now. Yeah. And um, maybe we come to it with a moment of repentance that we repent on behalf of uh, our country and um, the violence and, and stuff that's been perpetrated and unleashed uh, by our uh, foreign policies and, um, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, because um, that's the mess, right? That's, that's the, you know, I, that's, I couldn't help but think of that as I'm reading this passage from Romans, that, um, you know, the earth is in this uh, just struggle and pain, and every time we see this stuff uh, throughout the world or in our own personal lives, um, it, it is this struggle uh, against what it is that God wants to bring about. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for who you are. Um, God, I, I, uh, I do ask for grace and peace uh, to come in situations in um, Syria and uh, in Turkey, God. And, and um, Lord, we don't even, uh, sometimes things.